0: Hi, I am Alu, and I'm your host at FitArobic. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat, the podcast by
1: Aerobic. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat by Aerobic. If you're looking to improve your health and well-being to lead a healthy, fit, and fulfilling life, whether you're an amateur or a professional athlete, this podcast
0: is for you. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Fitness Pro Chat with Aerobic. Today, my guest for this episode is Jennifer Rao. Jennifer and I will talk about one of the most important aspects of sports performance enhancement that is the role of cognitive and behavioral skills training in sports. Jen is an American Council of Exercise certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, nutrition specialist, and behavior change expert. She also specializes in pre-postnatal corrective exercises and Parkinson's disease fitness programs. She is also a course contributor to drug and alcohol recovery fitness programs. She is also an MS graduate candidate for exercise science and sports psychology at Pennsylvania's Western University. Welcome to the show, Jen.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Sir, so could you please provide an overview of what cognitive and behavioral skill training means in the context of enhancing sports performance?
1: Sure. So um Psychologists call it cognitive behavioral training or CBT, and I'll probably use CBT a lot for this so that we kind of shorten it. Um, It's one of the most evidence-based treatments for a multitude of psychological uh, disorders and issues, including um, anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, things of that nature. And from a sports uh, psychology standpoint, it's less about therapy and more about training athletes to turn dysfunctional performance-related issues into functional behaviors. Uh, Sports psychologists utilizing CBT methods allow athletes development via coping strategies, uh, bolstering psychological well-being, emotional control, and improving uh, interpersonal skills. Uh, Sports psychology professionals will need to individualize their methods depending on the needs and the dysfunctions of the athlete and also have to be applicable to the sport and even the position that the athlete plays so that they may get the most out of the development uh, of their performance. So, for example, let's say uh, a soccer player has been missing a lot of goals lately. Uh, Make these goals starts to fall she starts having more anxiety and is now more likely to avoid situations in which she would likely have to try and make a goal or a shot. And so she'll probably start passing the ball to her teammates instead. CBT uh, methods implemented by a sports psychologist or a behavioral um, coach would help her work through her anxieties, and um, build her confidence back up so that she can um, take calculated risks again and um, take the shots she needs to help her team despite her having some anxieties um, about her performance. And I do want to note, though, that CBT can improve sports performance. Um, It can't make an athlete go above and beyond uh, their maximum potential because everybody has like a cap, right? Everyone has a ceiling in which their potential hits. That is why um, we don't have a lot of elite athletes. (laughs) They're not very common. So while cognitive behavioral techniques can improve an athlete's performance, it won't take them above and beyond their um, already maximum skill set that they have.
0: So you mentioned about uh, CBT helping athletes improving their sports performance. So what are the CBT skills that are crucial for athletes to develop and how do do they contribute uh, to improve performance?
1: Um, In general, high-performing athletes tend to show a great deal of uh, mental fortitude um, that's pushing through setbacks and failures. It's basically not giving up in the face of adversity and obstacles. Um, high-performing athletes are highly motivated. Um, they mo- they're motivated to practice and hone in their skill sets. Um, but they're also motivated to grow and develop into the highest potential they have as an athlete. Um, really good self-confidence, trusting their bodies and their brains to make the right decisions within a game or even a practice and knowing that they have the ability to do what is being asked of them um, and carry it out to the best of their abilities. Um, uh, Lower anxiety levels. Um, So with good self-confidence comes less anxiety and being too anxious can actually impact how well an athlete can perform. Um, They're less likely to take risks, uh, worry more about others around them, um, And not have the confidence and trust in themselves. And um, I I think this is, um, isn't talked about enough, but uh, self-reflection, a really good athlete can self-reflect. And um, I think that's actually like, it's one of the most under- looked at, um, abilities as an athlete and it's the ab- ability to see and, uh, understand and evaluate our own emotions and behaviors and cognition and knowing when something is off about ourselves, and, um, knowing that we need to make changes and improvements, um, either with CBT or, uh, whatever, whatever the method they can get to, um, to improve themselves and ultimately performance and bond with our team um it's knowing when you need to make change improve and and get the help necessary when you need it let's see a, a really great athlete's also going to have good concentration um when you're in the middle of a tournament or game or practice even and the athlete has to be able to shut out the background distractions around them so they can focus on the game and what they have to do so again let's go back to soccer for example, and like if somebody has to take a penalty shot and they need to be able to focus and concentrate on how they kick the ball, where they're aiming, the force of their kick, et cetera. And if they're distracted by noises in the crowd and people in the background or in around and everything else that's going around them, they're not going to be apt to take that, make the shot that they're trying to do. And then um, I think the last one that I would think would be really needed for a good athlete is quick reaction time. Um, they have to make split second decisions when in the middle of a game or uh, an event, and it's crucial for a sports like uh, improving their sports performance. Needing to decide between options on the field or core while they're running around and moving, and even changing course or direction as needed, uh, will bring athletes to a higher level of performance. So, um, all of these skills also fall within appropriate context of the athlete's sport and specific physical and technical training, obviously. And um, by having these skills, they can push their performance up to the next level.
0: You talked about concentration, self-reflection, and confidence, and especially encountering high-pressure situations Mm -hmm. uh, that most athletes are subjected to. So how does uh, CBT training help them manage stress, anxiety, and maintain focus during such crucial moments?
1: Yeah, so there's there's various forms of stress, right? So we' kind of there's kind of like four basic causes of stress. We have social stresses, which is you know time and attention demands, family, friends, school work, social life projects, things like that. Um, physiological stress. We're looking at lack of sleep or too much or too little exercise, injuries, which is actually pretty common in athletes, um, aging, menopause in women, things like that, um, environmental stressors, weather, pollution, things of that nature. And then thoughts, which is where a lot of our athletic stress can come from. Um, it's how you interpret and label your experiences and Try to predict the future outcomes right so um, we're appraising situations, how difficult the situation is, and how to cope with these situations so stress worry anxiety are all common ways athletes will decline or not progress in their sports performance. You cannot focus, take calculated risks um, chances, or trust yourself if stress anxiety levels are way too high it's also a precursor or a conjunction to other cognitive or behavioral issues like self-esteem and confidence, focus, mental fortitude, motivation, mental fatigue, and even reaction time. So stressor is like a really big component for our athletes um, because it's they're all cogs in a cognitive wheel, so to speak. They have to work together. Um, because they can all impact each other, and especially stressors. There's a couple of uh, basic techniques that I can kind of rattle off that are a good place to start as far as like stress reduction and stress awareness. Um, there's a stress awareness diary that I like having people to do. Um, this can kind of produce mental and physical, um, mm-hmm. to show like the mental and physical manifestations of their stress. So you basically keep, a record or a diary of the stressors that they have throughout the day and how those make them feel mentally and physically. And it can kind of help them pinpoint what stressors require the most attention. They could have physical symptoms that go along with stressors, headaches, stomach issues, sweating, fatigue, um, and then mental symptoms like anxiety, anger, being overwhelmed, those kinds of things. And so keeping track of those things um, will really help the athlete narrow down exactly what is causing the main stressors in their life. And then once they have that, then they can move on to breathing techniques. Um, Certain breathing patterns have been associated with heightened anxiety. Um, There's two types of typical breathing patterns. There's thoracic breathing and um, diaphragmatic. Thoracic breathing is really shallow, it's irregular, it's quicker, um, and it's been linked actually to anxiety and other types of emotional distress. And it's actually mm-hmm. a very common um, breathing pattern that we do as humans, um, especially as adults. Sure. And on the other hand, and, and of course, thoracic breathing is a very dysfunctional breathing pattern, but it's something that we just kind of come into as we age. On the other hand, there's um, diaphragmatic breathing. This is deeper. It's slower. It's something we do naturally when we sleep. Um, ah. And so that should tell you, because as we sleep, we're a lot more relaxed, we're a lot more calm. And there's actually a really good study, um, the 2016 study by um, Chen LL, and it highlights the benefits of diaphragmatic breathing and how it reduces anxiety um, and it uh-huh. has other benefits. So, breathing exercises are in general just ef- effective for reducing anxiety and stress. And so learning the diaphragmatic breathing and how it is used can help athletes with tension, heighten their focus, go into practices and games with very clear minds, relaxed bodies, and to kind of learn about diaphragmatic breathing, you can there's lots of apps out there. Actually, you can get right on your phone that will help you True. Um, do diaphragmatic breathing. There's videos, there's studies, there's books, there's all kinds of information out there to help you practice and learn. And the more you practice the breathing techniques, um, the easier it will be to use them on and off the field.
0: Absolutely. You you talked about uh, breathing technique. You also talked about mental fatigue. Is there any role of uh, CBT in uh, helping athletes uh, improve their mental endurance, especially to prevent performance deterioration uh, during extended competitions?
1: Uh, Mental fatigue is actually a psychological condition that's often overlooked by professionals um, who work Uh with athletes, but it really does deserve a lot more recognition and understanding um, because athletes with mental fatigue will often feel tired. They'll lack energy. Their motivation levels go downhill. Um, Reactiveness abilities worsen, and um, their confidence even uh, decreases. It's usually due to prolonged durations of heightened cognitive activity. Mental fatigue impairs cognitive performance, which has been linked to um, altered executive functions. And since executive functions are highly correlated to a series of actions such as initiating and stopping, monitoring and changing behavior, and planning for subsequent moves, having full cognitive abilities is essential for athletes so that they can perform efficiently. There's a study, like, there's a study actually that came out in 2021 um, by Russell L., And they do a really good job of showing what types of events trigger mental fatigue in athletes more than others. And their study suggests that training camps actually Uh trigger mental fatigue in athletes more than anything else. So when they're out doing actual Uh um, games and stuff like that, that's not as high of mental fatigue as their actual training camps. And that's due to exposure to new environments athletes are often over analyzing their competitions and opposing players. Um, it creates a really heightened sense of alertness in athletes, which can be mentally exhausting, uh, which is physical, can also cause mental fatigue. And often in these training camps, they are pushed harder and pushed longer um, because they are trying to get more out of their performance in these training camps. So they'll have a higher perceived rates of exertion. And so mental fatigue is more common after training camps the question really is like what can be done about this because it it is an often overlooked aspect of athletes mental health more research really does need to be uh, done to find efficient cbt methods however if i were to work with an athlete that i thought showed signs of mental fatigue i would first do a body inventory So we're asking, um, I would be asking what negative mental and physical symptoms they were having. You know, I want to know like how their body feels, how their emotions are, that kind of thing. And then I would likely employ relaxation techniques like meditation, um, breathing, and then I would have them keep stress awareness journals and do work to bolster motivation on, on their end. So But there does need to be some more some more research done to find like the right methods because it isn't as well researched as some of the other common problems with athletes.
0: So earlier we talked about uh, high pressure situations and there could be distractions around such high pressure situations. So Mm -hmm. how does attention control training help athletes uh, maintain concentration and block out distractions?
1: Distractions are inevitable, right? It's they're True. they're going to happen. Um, so you have environmental distractions like or weather, like if it's raining, uh, loud crowds, coaches yelling at you, you know, to get moving or yelling directions, um, other players around you. And then you have internal distractions like negative self-talk, anxiety, mental fatigue, those types of things. There was a 2013 review done by Bergren and Direction. I am probably butchered that name, but Direction. And it underlined that athletes who are unable to sustain sufficient levels of attention control will undoubtedly have a hard time with their athletic performance during high pressure situations they may encounter during a game. And to help limit distractions and better sports performance, focusing on controlling our intention on the game and task at hand will be essential. Attention control training can improve an athlete's inhibition. And reduce task-specific distractibility. So anxiety is, again, we're going back to stressors, and anxiety is one of the biggest factors in athletic distractibility. And as sure. such, um, it needs the greatest amount of attention in regard to what athletes need to work on. Um, anxiety increases inhibition or self-consciousness and a good place to start would be to address anxieties or fear using CBT to bolster self-confidence and lessen anxieties because we, you know, talk to ourselves when we're trying to make decisions, right? On and off the field. So when we're on the field and we're trying to make decisions and if you don't believe in yourself and your self-confidence is not up to where it is, that's a distraction in your head when you could be making those and trusting yourself and making those um, quick decisions. Um, breath work, visualization, positive self-talk, and fear exposure, all methods to start with for attention control training.
0: Absolutely. And uh, in your in your uh, response, you also talked about self-confidence, posturing self-confidence. Mm-hmm. So what strategies athletes learn through CBT to build and maintain a strong sense of self-confidence.
1: Doubting and not trusting ourselves can send any athlete into a cycle of performance anxiety and decreases our potential in a sport. Um, athletes can be confident without being cocky either. there, There's a line, right, that we have to to kind of toe Um, confidence is believing in yourself and your abilities and trusting yourself to make the right decision cocky is believing that no matter what happens you're right and you have no room for improvement and you don't have any faults so what we want to do is increase confidence without getting to the level of cockiness and cocky is also a really good way to alienate your teammates anger your coaches that kind of thing Self-confidence and anxiety are directly linked. And if an athlete has a lot of anxiety, their confidence level does lower. And if they don't have self-confidence, then they will have increased anxiety. Much of the CBT that is used for stress and anxiety will also bolster confidence in an athlete. So meditation, breathing techniques, fear exposures, um, visualization can all help boost self-confidence and we are our own worst critics right nobody yes. why why do we need enemies when we're in our own head <laughs> um, a great tactic i like to use to help with self-confidence is naming the little critic in your head after someone you don't like and you don't value their opinion then oh, well. <laughs> when self-doubt arises and you tell uh-huh. yourself that you are not good enough I tell people to tell, to tell like the little self-doubt that's in their head to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You don't, you don't, you don't like that person, right? So name it after a person. You wouldn't take advice from a person, right? That you don't respect. You don't, you don't care what that person had to say. Then self-doubt is going to be that person. So what they say isn't true or accurate. So for example, my little critic in my head, his name is Chad. And when I doubt myself and my abilities, Uh I pretend it's Chad telling me that I'm not good enough (laughs) or smart enough to do something. And so I have done it enough where I can just chuckle and tell Chad to shut up and that his opinions hold no value to me. And I instantly feel better um, about myself and knowing that Chad, my little Chad self critic, is wrong. And I can do what he said I can't do. And that this is a good technique, not just for athletes, but for everyday life too. And it can take practice. Um, it's, it's kind of hard in the beginning. It's something that you have to consciously tell yourself to do. Um, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. And it's easier to shut out the negative self-talk and confidently take on, um, your role as an athlete in your given sport. And that can help improve your, uh, Performance and your confidence in your abilities.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I was just about to uh, repeat the same that uh, this technique is brilliant and it can also be used in everyday life uh, mm-hmm. by anyone, not only yep. uh, an athlete. That's a brilliant Let's all identify our own chats and uh, probably yeah, someone get, get your else. Your and, <laughs> yes, and and start blaming the them. Uh, yeah, you don't so, you don't
1: take advice for Chad, so you don't you need to have him telling <laughs> you what to do.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, one of the other aspect is uh, setbacks, and which is very common in uh, any sport, be it amateur or professional sports. So, and uh, resilience, uh, coming back, is an important aspect of of any game. So, what are the CBT skill training techniques that CBT can help to cultivate resilience and? How athletes mm-hmm. can bounce back from setbacks?
1: I refer to this as mental fortitude, okay? Because it's, it's a, a basically being mentally tough. It's when you have the ability to persevere in the face of your setbacks and your failures and your obstacles. Um, athletes who don't throw in the proverbial towel um, and give up when things get hard are what it takes as an athlete of excellence, right? So even sure. something like an injury that takes them out. And, and that's actually a common thing. Um, injuries happen quite a bit when you play sports. Um, they could take you out for part of the season or even a whole season. Um, it can seem catastrophic to an athlete, right? It's very disheartening. Absolutely. Um, but the resilient athlete will overcome the injury. They'll work hard to bring them themselves back to performance and and keep themselves in the in the sport and in the game so setbacks obstacles and failures are not a matter of if it happens but a matter of how will you respond when it happens Um, because they're not just injuries anything can be a setback there's actually an american football player Mm -hmm. named damar hamlin and he plays for the buffalo bills and just last season he had a very scary accident oh. on the field when he was tackled so hard it actually stopped his heart. And this was it. it could it was like, it could have been a fatal injury, right? Absolutely um, true. That to me is the epitome of resilience and mental fortitude. He um, he did an interview with ESPN back in April of this year, and I want to read the quote that he said because I just think it really encompasses what it is. To, for mental fortitude, Um, he said, my heart is still in the game. I love the game. It is something I want to prove to myself, not nobody else. I just want to show people that fear is a choice and that you can keep going in something without having the answers and without knowing what's at the end of the tunnel. Or you might feel anxious. You might feel any type of way, but you just keep putting the right foot in front of the left one and you keep going. I want to stand for that. And this is an elite athlete, right? And he had a near near fatal injury and he's still going. And that's why he is an elite athlete. He has mental fortitude. He is resilient. And to me, like that just says it all about, about what kind of um, toughness that he has mentally tough. And some some resilience is actually um, personality type, but there are social environmental factors in which an athlete lives will also determine their mental fortitude. Um, But there are interventions that can help athletes to have more mental fortitude. CBT methods should uh, be focused on competencies and protector factors like optimism, self-confidence, problem-solving skills. And self-regulation. And then once these attributes and athletes become more developed, then coaches can create obstacles, failures, and setbacks in a safe environment to simulate gameplay so that the athlete can work on their response to adversity. Um, a good example would be uh, a soccer coach creating loud noises that mimic crowds cheering and being loud to create a high pressure situation while the athletes in practice. This will help. Um, his team, or even like a particular athlete with resilient behaviors, with distractions and um, pressure, that type of thing.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, that was a great uh, example to cite for resilience. One of the aspects which is coming out of resilience also is uh, consistency. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to maintain consistency or being to be consistent on a day-to-day basis before an athlete actually goes on the field. So how can CP, CBD uh, help to establish productive routines uh, that can lead to consistent performance improvements for athletes?
1: So consistency is just habit formation, right? It's um, behavioral patterns enacted automatically through yeah. uh, consciously repeating the behavior consistently. Um, eventually less conscious effort is needed and the habit is formed through automatic response. That is what consistency. Once something becomes a habit, it's hard to even inhibit the habit through conscious effort. So what athletes need to form habits efficiently, uh, resilience, which is what we just got done talking about, uh, self-confidence, and actually goals, setting goals are a really good place to start. Um, having a goal in mind can actually help you build a habit. For example, maybe your goal is to be able to have a better endurance. Um, so that running in like a soccer match or football game, or even baseball, um, is easier, uh, to reach that goal, you will need to form a habit of running a certain amount of, um, times each week to build endurance. So let's say every other day. Um, but then let's say it's raining on a day you were supposed to run having the mental fortitude to persevere through that setback like rain, right? That's an environmental setback, um, will form the habit. So you don't run outside because it's pouring rain outside. Who wants to run outside? So you run on a treadmill or you go to an indoor facility to run and you adapt and persevere to ensure that you build that habit. And then, and it does have to be conscious effort in the beginning, but eventually it just becomes routine and, oh, it's raining outside. That's fine. I'll just get on the treadmill. It'll be like an instant response. It, you won't even think twice about it. And self-conf- yeah. um, self-confidence in your abilities will ultimately allow you to um, tell yourself that you can be consistent and achieve those goals through habit building. And if you don't believe in yourself, then staying consistent is a lot harder. So knowing that you have the ability to create this habit, to create this consistency is is also something that you can do through cbt
0: absolutely and mental fortitude especially uh, that mental fortitude also helps uh, athletes to visualize success uh, mm-hmm. and So are there uh, imagery and visualization techniques that can be integrated into training routines to boost sport performance?
1: Yeah, uh, there's actually there's a really um, great quote that I like by Napoleon Hill. Um, It's Uh the body achieves what the mind believes. Right. So it's such a true statement. Um, An athlete can cognitively rehearse their performance outcome, which will enhance performance through the regulation of emotions, thoughts, anxiety, and confidence. An athlete can use visualization to improve performance in a few different ways. You're going to visualize the game, you're going to visualize your opponent, and then you're going to visualize yourself. So when you're visualizing the game, you're going to close your eyes, you're going to do some breathing techniques. Um, and then you're going to picture all the components of the game, including pregame prep, what the game's going to look like, and very importantly, what the outcome of the game is. And And hopefully that is that you are successful and you won. Um, but that's kind of visualizing the game, taking all the components, seeing the players, seeing your actions. And then you're going to also visualize your opponent. You're going to picture their moves and pr- predict their moves ahead of time how you're going to navigate their moves and, and then tell yourself that you'll be more successful in the game than their opponent you're going to best your opponent yes and then the most critical visualization is of yourself the athlete will do it of themselves and again with your eyes closed some breathing techniques you would visualize your body is healthy fit capable you visualize yourself with movement of the sport showing your body as successful executing your moves with precision and accuracy, and then you may even like visualize how the ball feels when you pick it or throw it or catch it or whatever your sport is. Be, like trying to use your senses to encompass this visualization is actually very helpful. And
0: one of the other aspect of visualization, especially of goal, so mm-hmm. which is the cornerstone for success. So, how does CBT assist athletes in setting and achieving performance-related goals?
1: So, I would actually say that goal setting. Can help with CBT. It can actually help with the cognitive Uh behavioral issues. So, yes, CBT can help athletes achieve goals, but goal setting is a strategy to increase cognition and better behaviors. An athlete should have goals. Every athlete should have goals, and not just goals that are like, I want to win the game. Like, personal goals can be met without even winning a match. You could lose every single game, but you could still hit your goals as an athlete, right? you don't your your goal shouldn't be i'm going to be the best player on the team i'm going to win it's it's really a personalized goal and it's more about self-improvement and less about being the best on the team or winning the game so within okay. the context of cbt goal setting is used for self-improvement so that negative behaviors are thought and thoughts are ultimately reduced importantly when setting goals an athlete should strive for challenging yet achievable goals. So if it's not challenging enough, the athlete's not going to feel a sense of pride or bolster their self-confidence. But conversely, if the goal is too challenging, the athlete's going to get discouraged. They're going to engage in self-criticism um, when their unrealistic standards aren't met. Right. So that's not going to be helpful. Either way, it's not going to be helpful. We can take a look at really well-known goal setting technique called SMART goals. I'm sure you're familiar with SMART goals. Yes. Um, and they can, that can help increase confidence, motivation, and consistency. Um, you know, we're going to talk, you know, smart goals. It's acronym for specific, measurable, achievable, um, relevance and time-based or time-bound. So we've got specific goals, like the goals need to be individualized to the athlete, clearly defined goals, right? So what Mm -hmm. do you want to accomplish? Why is it important to you? What resources or limitations do you have? Um, like a, Say a baseball pitching athlete wants to be able to increase the speed of their pitch by, you know, when they throw. Uh, Measurable, the goals need to be able to show improvement is being made by some measurement scale. How you know if this goal is being accomplished or are you on your way to accomplishing it? So this baseball pitcher is now slowly increasing their pitching speed each week. So you're able to measure the progress. Uh, Achievable, this kind of goes back to how challenging is this goal? Is it too hard for the athlete? Is it too easy? Um, we don't want them to get discouraged, um, and lower their self-esteem and have higher anxiety levels. Um, so the baseball pitcher said they'd like to increase their pitching speed by five miles per hour. Okay. I don't play baseball, so I, am hoping that's an achievable goal. So Let's just pretend that's uh, an achievable goal. Okay. Um, let's just, so for five miles per hour from the previous season, let's say, and it's something cool. that they're going to mm-hmm. need to work on. But it's not such a lofty goal that they won't yep. be able to hit it, right? Um, in other words, they know their potential and they're trying to hit their potential. Yes. Um, and then we have relevance. Um, and the goal must be relevant to the sport they're being played, the position of the athlete, the potential of the athlete, and relevant to maybe even a behavioral cognitive disruption that the athlete displays. So the baseball pitcher is trying to increase pitching speed, which is relevant to their sport and position on the team and then time based is um the goal needs to have a deadline, but a realistic deadline, so trying to achieve a goal in a very short amount of time can set. athlete up for failure and then conversely too long the deadline might not actually push the athlete to try their best because they have all this time to to accomplish it so you know the baseball pitcher wants to achieve their goal of increasing their pitching speed five miles per hour from last season by the end of their current season it gives them months of preseason and playing season to work on this goal but not so long that the pitcher will just kind of lackadaisically Eh, you know i get i've got all this time so they'll yeah. they'll actually work harder to hit that goal when they have enough time for it
0: so one of the thing is pre game rituals yeah, mm-hmm. and that's pretty common among uh, athletes so can you discuss the role of uh, cognitive training in developing effective pre game routines that enhance focus and confidence
1: there's some actually really well known athletes who have great pre game rituals you're looking at LeBron James, who's a basketball player for the the LA Lakers, and he, you know, he does the whole chalk throwing um, routine. You have got uh, Cristiano yeah, Ronaldo, Portugal. Um, sure. He puts his right foot in front of the left foot. He won't step. Is it? He won't step on the field with his left foot first. He has to have his yes. right foot on the field Thank first. You. And okay. like, there's even like a movie, um, a League of Their Own, which is a baseball uh-huh. movie. And her, one of the pitcher or the catcher's pregame rituals, she doesn't ever wash her socks, right? So like, I don't really suggest Uh that, you know, that'll alienate your teammates, you don't want to be stinky. But I mean, if hey, if it works for her, it works for her. So um, it may not make sense to others, but that's why it's your pregame ritual and it's not a team pregame ritual. So it's very individualized. They do pregame rituals do help athletes uh, focus, clear their heads, minimize distractions and, and be present in their own bodies. And it allows athletes to have a sort of like psychological isolation where the context of the game is around them. So you want to pick a ritual that makes you feel confident, strong, ready. It signals to your brain that you're going to bring your best and your mind is sharp. It isn't just the act of throwing the chalk for LeBron, right? He can feel the texture of the chalk. He smells the chalk. Those are powerful senses and he's just feeling and smelling. It can elicit the response that he is ready for the game because he does it every single game. It kind of, it just yes. puts them in that mode. For somebody who doesn't have a pregame ritual, you start by looking at a game or performance in which you felt particularly pleased with. What did you do leading up to that event? Did you drink a certain flavor of Gatorade? Did you tie your shoes differently? Um, cool. Did cool. you use words of affirmation on yourself? Did you listen to a particular song um, before taking the field? So using those things that you did before having like a really great performance and really great game can can help you keep that same mindset for future games. And it helps you focus and be present on the now. In other words, it's it's make It's giving main character energy, right? You're the Absolutely. you're, you're yes. in it, your main character, you're you're in cool. it. This is this is for you to go into. So that's kind of how you should approach pregame rituals
0: yeah, maybe it, it starts to internalize and and then visualize uh, themselves on the field as well
1: uh, yeah um, absolutely
0: uh, so one of the other uh, aspect is communication and decision making and especially in high pressure situations it's uh on field it's very important to make quick decisions uh, so how does cognitive training uh, can improve athletes' ability to make quick decisions and help them communicate effectively on the field?
1: Um, So this is a really interesting question because CBT is really dependent on the individual, right? And their cognitive behavioral needs. But also when we talk about team communication, it, it has to not be only an individual level, but a team level as well. So a really strong team requires good communication between athletes and coaches on and off the field. Core or whatever your your sport is, um, so CBT can help build individual skills. But as a team training beyond CBT could be beneficial through communication skills training. Um, it's at, at the individual level there needs to be trust in yourself, in your coaches, um, and in your teammates to have the effective yes. communication in starting, and that pretty much starts with confidence and empathy. And there's a sort of progression of communication that starts with gathering information, assessing the information, building rapport with your teammates, and then problem-solving. So as a team, there's there's a progression of learning how to communicate effectively, and it looks Uh like you have an attitude of empathy and support to start with, right? Uh-huh. Um yes. you have to be able to support your teammates and and understand where they're coming from and have that level of empathy. You have to be accepting of others' opinions. You have to take feedback from your coaches and your teammates and their opinions and understand them. And then there's skillfully asking others about problems and issues and um if you do have a problem or an issue with a teammate, you have to address it in a very tactful way and not just go headfirst diving in into accusing people of things and stuff like that so there's a there's a level of and and that comes i think with empathy and then thinking together to solve problems and issues that's when the teamwork comes in um, solving things together as a team you know one side of a field and another side of the field they're going to have different points of view coming together and um, problem solving and then once that's kind of all in line, that's when communication can go real smooth and you can make quick decisions together and in really come together as a team.
0: So for young athletes and those who are uh, new to cognitive training, where should they start and what are some of the practical exercises or techniques they can begin implementing when it comes to CBT training?
1: Um, I think that's three big ones that I would focus on um as, as new and, and a young athlete is visualization um I think that's a great one to start with that'll help with like your self-confidence and help bolster a, a lot of the other cBT or the cognitive behavioral things that you need um breathing techniques there's a lot of stress as young athletes to be perfect and do the best they can and there's a lot of people pleasing like Right, you wanna you want don't want to let your teammates down. You wanna make sure you you wanna do so much to make your coach so proud or your parents so proud. So breathing Mm -hmm. techniques to lower that anxiety level and stressors, Um, and then meditation. Um, I think meditation is a very underutilized tool, and it's it's hard to do at first, but the more you practice with it, um, the better it can be. Meditation will help calm the body. It will. Um, relieve a lot of stress and tension. There's a lot of apps that you can um, do meditation through, Um, YouTube videos of meditation. So it's not something that you have to go to like a studio to seek out like with yoga and meditation. You can literally do it in your bedroom. And then Uh utilizing that at home, but also right before games would be really great. The three great methods to kind of start a young athlete out on.
0: That brings... Us to almost the end of today's uh, episode, and as a wrap up, uh, could you please provide some recommendations or actionable takeaways on uh, CBT skills, uh, especially in uh, sports, that athletes can incorporate in their sports routine uh, to enhance their performance?
1: The the big takeaway is that one cognitive or behavioral issue can stem from or trigger another cognitive behavioral issue. So I said before, they're all cogs in a cognitive wheel, and they have to be in harmony with each other to enhance an athlete's athletic performance. Um, Athletes need to do a lot of self-reflecting and internal work to figure out where they're lacking mentally so that they can take steps to change and challenge themselves um, for their own betterment and the betterment of their team. Um, The main goal of Any type of intervention or enhancement strategy for athletes should be efficacy, retention, and transference of what is retained to their athletic performance situations. So start with stress surveys and stress awareness diaries. Practice your visualization and positive self talk. Uh, Learn how to effectively breathe and calm yourself. Set goals for yourself that are reasonable and manageable, yet challenging. And then Figure out what your pre-game ritual is to keep you focused and give you the main character energy.
0: Thank you so much, Jen, for your time. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on this episode and talking about uh, importance of cognitive and behavior training for athletes in enhancing their sports performance.
1: Thank you for having me. I- That's a wrap thank you for listening to fitness pro chat by fit aerobic we hope you had key takeaways from today's episode and learned something new don't forget to download and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and leave us a rating review on your favorite platform in the meantime reach out to us on instagram at fit aerobic or through our website fit aerobic.com. And remember, failures will only make you strong and better learned. Take care, stay healthy, and live a fulfilling life with Fit Aerobic.